0: Celtics. This is
1: CLNS Radio, the home of Internet Sports Talk Radio.
2: Pierce, who's it? Avery Bradley, corner three. Good night, everybody. So Avery is not afraid. You just won. Looks like I'm not going to miss the next one. Terry push pass for Pierce. Steps away from Wilson Chandler down the right side, leaves his feet. The shovel pass back out to Terry for three. go! right back at you. <laughs> what well, makes you laugh? Makes you cry.
0: And now, welcome to the Celtics Beat with Daniel Baker. Good evening, Celtics fans, and welcome to Celtics Beat. My name is Rich Conti, and I'll be your host tonight, filling in for Daniel Baker. Joining me as my co-host is CLNS Radio's Nick Gelsow, and I'm looking forward to spending the next hour talking with Nick about the series that just ended, about this past season as a whole, and about the future of the Celtics. Nick, in a perfect world, we'd be here talking about Game 7 and a historic comeback from a three-game deficit, but the incredible 24-2 run in the fourth quarter of Game 6 wasn't quite enough.
3: It wasn't, Rich. I I can tell you right now, though, I'm I'm pretty happy to be uh, on air with you, my friend. We've done a hell of a lot of ball-busting on Facebook and uh, never have yet to get on the air together. So uh, this is fun, and uh, it would be more fun, you're right, if the Celtics – Uh, We're in Game 7 right now instead of Knicks, Pacers, or whomever it is. Uh, But what we saw, uh, Rich, I think is something to be proud of. Obviously, you never want to be on the losing side, but the Celtics, uh, they really did give it their all. And uh, Game 6, I mean, if that wasn't one of the more impressive comebacks, even though it wasn't completed, um, it's certainly one of the more impressive I've seen.
0: Yeah, I mean, it really felt like that was the personality of this team, even going back to, you know, when they came together in 07, and, and just the, the, the emotional swings as a fan uh, from, you know, some, some really low points and some really nervous points to some, you know, incredible uh, experiences on, on the positive side. It just seems like, as a fan, they, they, they kind of never had you in the middle. You were either uh, really up or really down on them, and, and you know, over time there were ultimately more ups than downs, and the way it ended was was definitely Bittersweet, especially if that's the last we get to see of KG and Pierce.
3: No doubt about it. I, I probably the only disappointment is that Doc took. Well, besides the fact that they lost, but looking in a losing effort, disappointing that that uh, the captain wasn't able to get the resounding uh, ovation that he probably deserved based on the way that Doc took him out of the game. I don't think it certainly wasn't purposely, but uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I, overall, it was an emotional night. I think Celtics fans really. You know, kind of hit home, and and I can remember last season, Rich closing off the post game series, it was like, it was like a uh, uh, an obituary, it was like a funeral, everybody was crying and everything else, and and yet the, they brought the band back together, and it might happen again this year, but as of Friday night, I think reality hit Celtics Nation, and uh, people are realizing it's time now to. Uh, to move on, you know, but I guess before we move on we gotta look back at, at what what the season was and what happened and and uh how we got to this point.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was uh, certainly um, after Game 3, it uh, became a very interesting series for a while. Had Celtics fans kind of feeling a little bit like Red Sox fans did back in '04, thinking uh, we might pull off a historic comeback against an uh, old rival from New York, uh, but it wasn't really to be uh, this time. Uh, in your mind, what were some of the, the keys to the series as it unfolded? Oh, my goodness. How many? I mean, first of all, going
3: into the series, I think it was evident to anybody who had a basketball brain in their head that Boston had to take game one or two in New York to be competitive. And uh, they really had an opportunity in Game 1, and they let it slip by. Why? I I think that, you know, not having a a defined point guard, this series really opened up the, uh, the, the gap that Rajon Rondo left behind when he got injured. And I think anybody could have predicted the fact, Rich, that come to playoff time when the ball is going to slow down when the defensive pressure is going to uh increase and um more more uh dependence upon the point guard is going to happen you're going to see someone like an Avery Bradley crumble under that pressure unfortunately but Rondo has been so ball dominant with this team for the past 5 years that anybody who was on this team prior to this season He's not really used to unless your name is Paul Pierce. Not really used to handling the ball, and uh, certainly I think we saw that with Avery. Um, luckily, uh, you know, with the bright spot in that ridge, so Terrence Williams was was good. I mean, to see get some crucial minutes, and um, uh, the captain. I mean, he had so much fell on his shoulders over and yeah, over was- again.
0: Yeah, that was an awful big burden they placed on Pierce. And, you know, if you remember back after Rondo went down and they had that nice uh, stretch of about six weeks of, of really inspired basketball, not only did the defense pick up, but the offense actually started to click. I mean, they were second in the uh, second to last in the league in offensive efficiency for most of the season with Rondo. And, you know, they jumped up to um, almost about league average uh, for, for a while there. And it was really predicated on that kind of five-out style just really, you know, blanketing the, the Perimeter and, and moving the ball Side to side
2: um, In the playoffs,
0: it's, it, it's tougher to win That way uh, w- without a, a point Guard or really anybody that can Create open shots for themselves Or for others, and you, you really saw the Difference in this series between the Knicks offense with um, Raymond Felton at the helm, as well as um, You know, versus the Celtics Without that true point guard And and Felton was really a key for Them, um, you know, obviously, Jay A.R. Smith and 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 Carmelo Anthony are their number 2 and number 1 options on offense but I really thought it was a Felton that really made their offense go
3: I'd agree and you know also Rich looking back I mean I'm not, not to scoot the point you just made but looking back also at the Celtics uh, shortcomings in this series, um, you know, you have some notes here and they're they're real. You have in your notes consistently creating shots. Someone who can consistently create shots. As Pierce has gotten older, Rich, it's it's become more and more apparent that the, the Celtics offense has stagnated. Um, Doc has continually tried to go to the old school ISO Pierce play, which really I don't even know how fair that is to Paul Pierce at this point. Um, Luckily, we did see the emergence of Jeff Green, and I think that that's another positive to look at.
0: Absolutely, you know. I you know, Jeff Green uh, showed a lot in this series. He had some some you know big offensive games, and then he had some games where it really wasn't um, working for him. But he still stayed aggressive and got to the free throw line. and And he's a big key. And actually, I thought one of the underrated aspects of the series was um, Mike Woodson's decision to primarily keep uh, Iman Shumpert on Green. And um, you know, people think of Green as you know one of these hybrid three. Type of players, um, but the way the league is moving with guys like LeBron and Carmelo seeing the the, the you know the, the lion's share of their minutes at the uh, power forward spot, uh, Green kind of fits into that, and he just has a tremendous advantage when he's matched up with fours, even some of these kind of you know new uh, uh, hybrid fours, um, because you know he's he's taller than a lot of them at six ten. And he can still take the ball to the rack. And I thought, um, Shumpert made things difficult for him at times, you know, with his quickness. And, and Green isn't as comfortable in, in the post, although though I think that's a, a developing part of his game. Um, but I was really, um, impressed by, you know, particularly in, in games four through six his willingness to, you know, just continue to be aggressive. Um, you know, there were a couple of points in game six in that run where, you know, he was just you know, taking the ball right to the basket, even if, you know, it was going through uh, arm, you know, a bunch of arms and legs and, and, you know, not getting a clean look at the basket. But just that willingness to throw himself in there and, and get to the line, um, I think really uh, speaks well for his, his future as a Celtic.
3: As you've seen him uh, gain confidence on the floor, you've also seen him gain confidence – you're going to think this is rich, but in the post-game pressers, I mean, he has finally found a voice. Starting, I mean, obviously, we're, we're covering the locker room for every single game, so uh, you, you're watching the evolution of characters, not just on the floor, but also with the media. And Jeff Green is really coming into his own. Early on in the season, you saw a guy who was kind of jaded by uh, maybe the injury, maybe the fact that he had Perkins shoes to fill. Uh, he was still... In question whether that that trade was the right trade to make. Watching last night's uh, for last night Friday night's press press conference of Jeff Green, I thought to myself, my, "Man, I mean, he's really coming into his own. He's getting comfortable in his own skin. He's these are all huge signs, Rich, moving forward because I think it's it's just a." a Proclamation, a declaration of his confidence level, like you're mentioning, on the floor. It's coinciding with what's off the floor, because as Garnett and Pierce move on to to greener pastures, we're going to need a leader. We are going to need a leader. I don't know that Rajon Rondo will ever fit that mold as a team, team leader. And even if he does, he's going to need assistance. And someone like Jeff Green being more vocal and uh, more confident – willing to take the big shots, willing to make the big comments to the media. That's all playing into the evolution of this guy as a leader of this franchise.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And, you know, that's one of the, the interesting things as a sports fan is to see kind of the evolution of a personality of a team. And, yeah, Green's absolutely coming out of his shell as, you know, he comes back from the injury, he starts, um, you know, getting his, his feet underneath them, and more importantly, he starts becoming uh, the player that, that he's going to be. And, and hopefully that player is, you know, the the player that Danny Ainge thought he was getting from, from Oklahoma City when he made the trade. And I, I could see, you know, him being a, a perfect foil not just on the court but off the court for for rondo you know rondo's got this um rightfully earned image as a stubborn guy a petulant guy at times um let I me sure let me interrupt
3: you there for a minute now sure. why why rightfully earned well, why I, I what think... has rondo do done to earn um the right to be flippant and uh some of the attitude issues that rondo has shown over the years
0: Oh, that's a fair point. I, I don't know that he um, he's earned it, and, and that he's entitled to have that attitude. I, you know, I meant rightfully earned um, perception in that you know he's done things the way he's interacted with um, you know the media and with with other players and coaches. Times, yeah, I mean, absolutely, that tag deserves to stick with him. Um, I, I don't know that I don't know that he's necessarily earned that in terms of you know Greg you know gathered or garnered the currency as a player in the league to kind of um <laughs> be who he is at times <laughs> but you know I, you know i think um green would make a perfect foil for him you know green is um you know even as he comes out of his shell he's kind of an e- even keel guy um you know on the calm and and very and grounded and positive, very grounded side and I could see them developing a, a nice kind of one two um you know personality as as the leaders of the celtics hey for all of rondo's faults for, from a personality standpoint Um, as Doc always says there's 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 important there's good aspects to, to being that type of headstrong player um, you know he's just rondo 's just got to learn to um, compartmentalize it a little better and and express it on the court and maybe back off of it a little bit off the court
3: rondo's had the opportunity to sit down and observe this team uh, through a great stretch immediately without him and I do believe part of that was adrenaline the adrenaline rush of of knowing they had to kind of come together work together in order to to uh in order to be be the team that was going to be competitive at all without him, uh, but the other side of it I think also was that Rondo had some real negative points to this season that maybe he learned from uh, while sitting on the bench and watching. And then to further that, watching your team go down uh, 0-3 in the first round against the Knicks, you know, not really one of the Celtics' favorite opponents and not really really be able to do much about it, but then watch them be able to come back and nearly tie up the series. Rondo witnessed all this, Rich. How is this going to play into
0: the Rajon Rondo we're going to see in the fall?
3: Do you think Uh at all?
0: Oh, absolutely, I do. I think it's going to be a huge factor, not just for Rondo, but for some of the other guys, you know, going through this experience. Um, you know, I, I think it actually says a lot that we didn't hear a lot from Rondo during the series, even though he was obviously president at the games. And, you know, obviously the tendency is for injured players to, to take a step back. But I, I can't believe that there weren't media members out there trying to bait Rondo into, you know, jumping into the fray with some of the uh, the, um, the back and forth and the conversation. Controversies that were going on but between the dress in black, you know, for the funeral thing with the Knicks and some of the other uh, talk back and forth. I have a hard time believing somebody wasn't trying to goad him into um, becoming a part of that. And so I think the fact that we didn't hear him was a big thing. But but more for me, just witnessing what was happening on the court and the impact of not having him out there and and looking at what the other players need, I think was is going to be huge for him. I think the series as a whole. Um, is um, incredibly important for the Celtics future, or could turn out to be incredibly important. For all the talk about, well, if you're not going to win the championship, you might as well trade KG and Pierce and get what you can for them. I think that's just a, such a short-sighted, almost naive um, you know, approach to or, or perception of how the game works and how winning teams are built, because I look at that comeback in the, uh, the you know, the failed comeback in the fourth quarter of the game Friday night as actually a huge stepping stone. For guys like Avery Bradley and Green, I think mm-hmm. the, a, a light bulb went off. And they turned a corner there. If you notice, those were the two guys that really drove that run. Yeah. yeah. You know, sure, KG, you know, contributed with his usual stellar defense and his rebounding and hit a couple of big shots. Pierce hit a three in, in, in the run, but I, I think the light bulb went off for those two guys that, you know, they can't just be spectators. You know they can't be those those complimentary players waiting in the wings to you know to um you know for somebody else to make a play for them. They need to make an impact every second that they're on the court, and they can't wait for for KG or Pierce or Rondo or whoever to do that. And I think that is going to be a huge factor in their development going forward.
3: Ah, uh, you couldn't have said it better. It was mentioned uh, during the post game show. I don't know who mentioned it, possibly Ty Ray, that really you you were able to see kind of the, the future, the evolution, or how this team is going to look in two or three years, because you're right, that run was dictated by the defense and offense of Bradley and Jeff Green. Avery Bradley, who just fell into a shell during this series uh, offensively, came out at, at that moment and, and showed – why he's been called one of the best defenders in the league, and and what his value is going to be moving forward. There's no doubt in my mind, Rich, that uh, Avery made or Rondo made Avery better offensively, and Avery makes Rondo better defensively. So they're a good combination, good uh, complement to one another.
0: Yeah, and you know Rondo's showing the capacity to be that same type of incredible. No doubt. That's just, just what's so frustrating. That's what's yeah.
3: frustrating about
0: Rondo. And actually, you know, you know what um, Bradley reminded me of in that stretch uh, the other night. It, it reminded me of Rondo in Game Six in two thousand and eight against the yep. Lakers. Yep. you know, I mean, that's what he was then. He was just all over the court. You know, that that one steal in particular that uh, Bradley made off of uh, Carmelo. He kind of jumped off of uh, his man, which I think it was Felton at the time, and just you know stripped the ball from Carmelo and went in for the dunk. I mean, that was that was Rondo in in, in Game Six in two thousand and eight. So you know, again, I. I hope, you know, to your point, Rondo was was seeing that and seeing the impact that that type of defensive energy and disruption um, has on the game and, and remembers that that's as big a part of his value as anything he does running the team, you know, on the offensive side of the ball.
3: Rich, we looked at the highs and we looked at the lows of this series uh, from the Celtics' perspective. I'm interested to hear what your thoughts are on the Knicks as they're moving forward. I have my opinions. I'd like to hear yours and see how how much they coincide or differ.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're struggling a little bit today and, you know, not sure if that's a letdown from, Mm -hmm. um, you know, from the other night. Uh, You know, they didn't you know the one area where they did impress me I will say was um you know their their active hands on defense. Um you know listening to the analysts whether it was Steve Kerr or um uh, you know, anybody or, or Van Gundy, you uh, know, crediting, crediting the Knicks defense, you know, I you know, I had to watch and it seemed like Celtics were missing a lot of, an awful lot of makeable shots a lot of the time. I don't think the Knicks Played great defense in the, the classic sense of a Tom Thibodeau defense in mm-hmm. Chicago or the Celtics defense. But what I will give them credit for is they had incredibly active hands on defense. I and, mean, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, it was, you just couldn't count the number of deflections and strips they, they had, uh, you know, during the series. Um, you know, the other thing you have to credit, for the, credit them for, and it sounds a little bit like a backhand compliment, but, you know, particularly uh, Carmelo Anthony and, and J.R. Smith, and who, you know, to some extent as well, uh, Raymond Felton man, those guys just have a tremendous ability to hit really bad shots. <laughs> and that was a huge part of the series. Um, and, you know, it sounds like a backhanded compliment, and to some degree it is. You know, nobody enjoys watching, you know, Carmelo Anthony stop the ball, hold on to it for 12 seconds while he jab steps and pump fakes 12 times. Right. Then, then Tra- launches-
3: travels in and, and usually commits an offensive foul.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Launcher's an off-balance jumper. And, you know, actually, I thought a couple of the key plays in the first half, Friday night, uh, the Celtics, if you remember, they actually made a pretty spirited run at the end of the first half, too. And it had, you know, cut an 18-point lead down to six or so. And the Knicks kind of opened up a little bit of cushion going into the uh, the second half on a couple of questionable calls. It was a really bad um, uh, offensive foul call on KG. Um, Prigioni, God, if he doesn't get uh, fined, for that flop uh, against Bradley at the end of the, the first half Friday night mm-hmm. they, they might as well just stop talking about the, the, the flop. that flopping rule <laughs> uh, but the worst was was Carmelo's and one I think with about 40 seconds left in the half where Bass played phenomenal defense kept his feet on the floor didn't bite for the fake contested the shot and the refs still sent Carmelo to the line. And, and, you know, you know more power to them. You know, they've got the ability to hit those shots, and that's a big part of their offense. But I have a hard time seeing them, um, you know, win consistently as the playoffs continue, you know, playing that type of game on offense, you know, particularly against, you know, a, a pretty rugged defense there in Indiana and certainly yep. an active defense in, in Miami as well.
3: Yeah, no doubt. All season long, I think we've seen New York – You hate to use that cliche term, live and die by the three or the jumper, but we've seen it happen. You knew there was going to be, at some point, where they were going to explode and uh, uh, just dominate the perimeter. We also knew there was going to be the game where they struggled from the perimeter, and we saw a little bit of both. Uh, One thing that really hit me or or rang home with me, Rich, is... uh, If J.R. Smith was in such a head case, my God, that guy has has real ability to be a superstar in this league, but his, his brain just gets in the way
0: oh terrible basketball IQ I mean there were just times not just on offense with the bad shots but you know just some some you know lack of attention on defense at times and just mental errors um you know that that he just would continually make over and over and you know Ty and I talked about this last week you know he won the sixth man of the year award uh this year definitely deserved it I think in a lot of ways he. You know got his career on track certainly compared to you know where it had been, and you really actually have to give Mike Woodson a lot of credit for that, but at the end of the day he's still the same guy you know he uh, you know I don't think he's fundamentally changed who he is as a person and as a player. um I just think that Woodson did a you know masterful job getting him at least focus his focus his attention at times and play within the team concept at times, um, even though you know he would uh, at the slightest encouragement from a Defense like the Celtics uh, lap back, laps back into his one-on-one hero ball, bad shot-taking uh, ways that, that uh, I guess we've come to know and one, no, no one love him by.
3: Talking of talking about head cases, uh, before I go on to the Celtics head case, uh, I want to mention one more thing about J.R. Smith. Um, the most unbelievable behind-the-back pass I've seen, and you know what I'm talking about, obviously. Yep. Uh, probably since Bird and Magic were in the league. I mean. That behind-the-back pass gave me the shivers, and I don't think he meant to even do it, which is, <laughs> which is again, the, the thought of, don't think, JR, and uh, maybe uh, you'll come out looking strong.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's what separates the, the, you know, the really great players from, you know, guys like Smith who has the potential is, you know, listen, you, you know, talented, instinctual guys like that can, you know, can make plays like that at times. And, and you're right. I'm sure, you know, I don't think he decided to throw that pass until the, the, Split second before he actually uh, threw it, and you know, and that's definitely a talent. But the problem is, you know, the other nine times down court where he does something instinctual that that doesn't work <laughs> out, and and the great ones have the ability to kind of balance that that instinctual play with um, the discipline, and and you know, that's what makes a Larry Bird, that's what makes a Magic Johnson. I will say, I will say that um, it was maybe a little bit more subtle, but um, in Game Five, I believe it was Pierce had a similar similar uh, pass where he kind of cut down the lane, uh, drew two defenders, and kind of dropped a little, um, you know, it wasn't a behind the back, but it was kind of, he was turning and kind of dumped it behind him underneath to KG for a dunk, and I right. thought that that one was right up there as well, I think. So, it was, it was there. Yeah. What do you
3: say, dude, take a break?
0: Yeah, it was, um, you know, it was a tough series to watch at times, and I guess that's fitting considering the season as a whole, so let's say, yeah, take a break, and when, we'll take, uh, when we come back, we'll take a look at, really, the, the past season as a whole on Celtics Pete
3: sounds fun. We'll be right back after this commercial break.
0: Hey, it's Coach Kevin from Superfans.com. Superfans has Boston's
2: Best T-shirts. Uppercase B's for the adults and lowercase B's for the kids. You see our street hustlers at your favorite event or you shop with us at Superfans.com. At Superfans, we're just like you. We take pride in our town and support the best our teams have to offer. Listen to your New England soul. Visit Superfans.com and say hello next time you see us around town. We make Boston's Best T-shirts for New England's Best Fans. SuperFans Super Fans Super is a proud sponsor of Dirty Water TV.
1: Hey, Mike Fay from Mike T here. Just reminding you about the outstanding shows here on CLNS Radio. Jay King of CelticsTown.com and Ty Ray of CLNS Radio join forces to bring you CelticsTown, King of the Court, every Monday night.
2: If Jeff Green grabs a rebound, run up court with it, just get the ball and
1: work it up the floor and
2: make Tommy Heinsohn proud because I know he loves that style of play.
1: Careless Whispers with Matt Rury and Calvin Chamberlain hits the airwaves Tuesday night. You
2: can't compare that to an NBA rivalry where you Gonna hate LeBron James for the next seven years, and you've already hated him for five years.
1: Tune in for the block party with CLNS locker room reporter Jared Wise and NHL content manager Lee Herman on Thursday nights. I actually really have high hopes for Chris Bork. I'm not gonna yeah. compare him to Ray. And don't forget to tune into the Celtics post game show following every single Celtics game. You can find that at CLNS Radio, Celtics Blog, and iTunes. It's invaluable how much Jeff Green means to this team right now if he can continue to play this way that's not all there are even more awesome podcasts available check them all out on clnsradio.com Celticsblog.com blogging since 2004 and leading an outstanding team of contributors Jeff Clark is the most distinguished Celtics blogger on the web Celtics Blog features a team of journalists and locker room reporters that provide Celtics fans the most unique, thoughtful, and in-depth commentary online. There's a bunch of ways to interact with the number one community of Celtics fans, Friday fan posts, fan forums, and the most popular live game chat room. CLNS Radio is proud to be a content partner of Celtics Blog, and Celtics Blog simulcasts the CLNS Celtics postgame show following every single Celtics game. And that's not all. CLNS and Celtics Blog join forces this season to bring you the Garden Report, the only HD post-game show shot live on the parquet floor at TD Garden. Check it all out today at CelticsBlog.com.
2: This is Avery Bradley of the Boston Celtics, and you're listening to ELNS Radio.
1: What's new at CLNSRadio.com? We're striving to make this your first and last destination for all things sports. It all starts with our Celtics postgame show. CLNS is the proud home of the only online postgame broadcast that covers every single Celtics game. Along with Celtics blog. CLNS brings you the Garden Report. It's the only YouTube postgame show recorded on the parquet floor. CLNS radios, Jared Weiss and Celtics blogs Jimmy Toscano report on the home games in high definition. And if you subscribe to the CLNS YouTube page, you can find raw post game videos from the Celtics locker room. Stay up to date with us and text CLNS fans to two two eight two eight for free updates from CLNS Radio. Don't forget you can call into our live shows at three four seven two one five seven 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 one. And if you miss the live broadcast, you can download us on iTunes. We're getting bigger, we're getting better, and you can find it all at clnsradio.com. And now, welcome to the Sixteen with Daniel
2: Baker.
0: All right, welcome back to Celtic Speed. I'm your host, Rich Conti, and I've got Nick Gelso here with me. Uh, Nick, uh, so it was, you know, a rough season in a lot of ways. Um, you know, a lot of people, most fans and, and media alike, uh, have been describing it as, you know, the end of the Big Three era. Um, what, what do you expect, uh, you know, to happen in the off season or next season? Do you expect big changes or another season like the past one?
3: Jeez. It's such a tough question, Rich. I mean, it's... Yeah, we the media we all have been, you know, giving the farewell to uh the big 3 who I guess now is Doc Garnett and Pierce. Um but we did that last season too, Rich. I mean, it, there was just as much of a sense of finality at the end, at, at after game 7 in 2010 and again After Game 7 in 2012 against the Cavs, I mean, everybody was closing the door, closing the window. Now, I will say, from the post-game pressers, it seemed a bit more final this season than it did last season, but I'm still not saying that they're not coming back. Let's face it. Garnett and Pierce are a package deal. They're saying that right now. I think the big difference this year, Rich, is that it's kind of in the hands of Danny Ainge more now, whereas last year it was in the hands of Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, uh, Doc we knew was coming back. Uh, but this year it's it's all a matter of is Doc going to Amnesty, Amnesty Pierce? Is he going to, you know, waive him? Is he going to pay him the full amount? Same thing with KG. I mean, KG's guaranteed contract. Is he going to buy him out? Uh, what are we looking to do here and look to restart from scratch? I don't really know. I cannot give you a straight answer there. I don't even have a gut feeling.
0: Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, really. The ball's in Denny Ainge's court. And and for me, um, you know, the key is really what Ainge is, is thinking about three people, what he thinks about Pierce, what he thinks about Doc, and, and actually what he thinks about Rondo. Um, you know, I say Pierce, not KG, just because, as you put it, KG's fate is directly tied to Pierce. Uh, you know, I think – Right now, it seems pretty cut and dried. I think um, the one wild card in in all this with KG's situation for me is the situation with his ankles. Um, the report is he's going in for off-season ankle surgery. It's supposed to be relatively minor procedure. I think they just shaved down the uh, bone spurs on the ankles. I think similar uh, surgery actually that Ray Allen had in the summer of 07 uh, before he came to Boston, and you know he clearly um, you know made it back in, in time for the season. Um, After that procedure, but really, um, you know, it looks like if Pierce um, is going to be a Celtic this year, uh, next year, and by all indication he's planning on playing, then it looks like KG will come back. And if Pierce doesn't, KG is going to retire. I I have a really hard time at this point seeing him play for another team. So I think a, a big part of it is, you know, what Ainge thinks about Pierce and and what he could potentially do uh, with Pierce as a you know building block to build a future team. Pierce has a five million dollar buyout uh, on his contract next year. I, I'm not sure the, the technicalities of amnestying him versus buying him out. Um, I think with the buyout, um, it makes me wonder if you know, the amnesty provision even even relates to Pierce at all. I think it might have during earlier in the season. It doesn't. They wanted
3: to. It does not until the way I understand it, July first.
0: Oh, okay, good. Yep. And really, with Pierce, you got to look at what what else is out there on the free agent market. Um, really, Chris Paul is the only guy it makes sense to break the bank for. And he clearly doesn't have much interest in coming to Boston. And with Rondo in place, it, it doesn't make any sense unless you can move Rondo. You've got Dwight Howard, to be honest, um, as uh, impactful as a big man that he he can potentially be. I'm not sure, you know. I want him anywhere near the Celtics' legacy, you know, with his behavior and his, you know, um, willingness to throw teammates, coaches, whole franchises under the bus. I'm um, not sure he really fits their legacy. And then after that, you've got guys like Josh Smith and, and Al Jefferson, who certainly bring some things to the table, but are also extremely flawed. I, I think the end of that um, Hawks Pacers series was was pretty telling with Smith, where he basically. Um, Broke the last oh, yeah. play and decided to just launch a three, and yep. then you know. So I just I, I don't get the warm fuzzy about any of those guys. So at, at this point, if it were me, and and Pierce was amenable to transitioning into a, a more complementary role, potentially even coming off the bench behind Jeff Green. I would just assume pay him the 15 million next year as uh, almost a pension yeah. and um and you know keep that money uh, available uh you know for next year's free agent class or the one after that. I'd hate to see Ainge with you know um uh, some salary cap room and feeling like he, uh, it's burning in a hole in his pocket and have him you know make some Joe Dumars like signing of a guy like um you know Josh Smith or you know Al Jefferson. So and then the second guy is is what Ainge thinks about Doc. Obviously, they've got a close relationship. I think you know if, if you read a, a piece that uh, I believe Chris For- Forsberg wrote the other day, it talked about um, you know Doc's desire to come back and, and why he signed the extension last summer and and wanting to be part of a rebuilding. Um, but I think you know if you're Ainge, you really have to ask yourself um, whether Doc can adjust. To you know the offense to the the new style that's evolving in the NBA, which is you know going with the um, you know you know looking at the statistical analysis and 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 focusing your offense on either um, you know good looks from three or shots under the basket. You know if you look at the team's offense really for the whole you know big 3 era it's been built around um you know the mid mid-range jump shot and 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 ball movement and you know uh, to a large degree that that was a result of the the way the roster was constructed but i think you have to ask yourself is doc willing to think a little bit differently about the offense and really you know is he as you know many people including myself think he is you know is he going to be an asset going forward in terms of developing some of the young players or attracting free agent players uh to to the Celtics and then the last guy is Rondo. You know, uh, you know if if whether it's a you know whether or not Pierce or KG come back, um, you know is Rondo really that that guy going forward that you 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 put pieces around or uh, is you know his game ultimately flawed to the point where he's never going to be that guy? And so I think really Ainge's decisions about those three guys are going to really uh, tell a lot about what happens this offseason.
3: It's interesting that what you mentioned about Doc Rivers is something I hadn't really thought about. I mean, in my mind Doc Doc has always and he's pretty much since the KG era, he's been the number one recruiting uh consistent recruiting agent. People want to play for Doc Rivers even to the extent where they don't want to come to Boston, but they'll come to Boston because they want to play for Doc. So, and Doc and Danny's comfort level with one another I think is is so close that I don't see anything happening there unless doc wants it to happen but I find it really interesting the point that you bring up about the changing style of the NBA and whether doc has an ability to change his coaching mentality towards that style um something I hadn't really thought about but you did see a lot of the offensive struggles are you are you maybe gearing some of those or, or blaming some of those offensive struggles on doc's inability to adjust to the new the new game of basketball in the NBA
0: Um, I don't think blame is the right word because I think the way the roster is constructed... Listen, they... they you know, they don't have a lot of guys that can stretch the defense. You know, they don't have, you know, a Ray Allen anymore. They don't have a, a Shane Battier. I mean, even in Miami, you've got Chris Bosh out there taking threes. I think as the season progresses, you know, obviously, Griff Green is is developing his three-point shot, and he's got the potential. I think they, they do have to think differently about how the roster is constructed. I think they maybe they thought Courtney Lee would be one of those guys. but uh,
3: I do want to talk about Courtney Lee, too, but go ahead.
0: Yeah, you know, no, well, yeah. That. I mean, you yeah, know, they, they're going to have to think differently. I think one of the biggest things they need uh, going into next year, regardless of what happens with KG or Pierce is really to find um, that what they call a D and three wingman, right? You know, that guy who can really play stellar defense at you know primarily the uh, you know against small forwards, but also against shooting guards and even power forwards um, that can can still spread the floor. You see, you know, Battier is probably the the prime example of that right now. But you've got a, you know. If you guys throughout the league, uh, Cephalosha in in Oklahoma City and a few others. I think maybe they thought Courtney Lee could be that guy to some extent, but um, you know whether his confidence is just completely shot or he's just not that guy. Um, I think they they need to look elsewhere, and I think that'll be you know a guy like Danny Green in San Antonio who can play tough defense. You know doesn't look for shots, but when he gets that open, uh, particularly corner three, um, doesn't miss it very often. I think that's that's the type of player that they really missed in this series and actually for, for the season as a whole.
3: When the season ends, you, you know, you have this lull of, when I say the season, when your team's off season begins, you have kind of like a lull of information uh, immediately after the last game, and then all of a sudden dribs and drabs of the real story starts coming out, the true Hollywood story, and uh, w- one area I'm really anxious to find out about I really want to find out about, if it ever comes out, some of the chemistry issues at the start of the season prior to Rondo's injury. Uh, But what I'm really interested in is the sudden demise of Courtney Lee. I mean, it was overnight. He was nixed from the rotations. Suddenly, the day later, out on Twitter, kind of talking about it, talking it up, Um, and then, you know, didn't get any playing time in the series, and last night, last night. Friday night in the post-game presser was really outspoken about how he has to improve in order to stay with this team. In my opinion, the way I took the interview, I think it was with our Jared Weiss, to be honest with you, uh, was that he does want to stay. So I can't really get my fingers around what happened with Courtney Lee. I mean, maybe it's an injury that we don't know about, but the kids' potential was never, ever uh, came to fruition this season. You never got anywhere near where his potential is, or we expected it to be.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I think he was in a similar position as Jason Terry, but of course, you know Terry being a long-time veteran, um, you know, I think handles it a little bit differently, and actually, you know, at times, you know, found his way and, and found his place a little bit. I just don't think Lee was ever, um, you know, found his comfort zone here. I think he's got a close relationship with with Doc. By all accounts, he's a good kid and and a hard worker, and I think he put a lot of pressure on himself to succeed, not just, you know, as a professional, but really to, to repay Doc um, in, in a lot of ways. And I think, um, you know, Doc, um, particularly with the guys that he has good relationships on, can actually be very hard yep. on them. Yep. Um, and so I think all of that kind of coupled together, he just kind of never found his um, his niche. I think, you know, he's a guy while, you know, you look to him to hit those, um, you know, corner threes, um, I think he also needs to feel the ball in his hand. Uh-huh. Uh, at times, and I think that made him, you know, a difficult fit with Rondo, particularly when Rondo was, you know, in a, you know, being extremely ball dominant uh, <laughs> early in the season. So, you know, I, I'm not completely writing him off. On the other hand, um, I wouldn't be upset if, you know, they they looked at guys like uh, Lee, who I, I would assume still has some value. Do you in the think? League. I mean,
3: I think he's really devalued at this point.
0: Well, I mean, I think people, um, you know, see what he's done in the past. He's, you know, I, I've seen some Celtics fans complain about all the Celtics bad contracts, and I have to wonder what they're thinking about we because cause guys like 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 Bass and and Lee on you know five million dollar deals, those are actually good contracts. Rich,
3: rich, rich. At the start of the season, these same guys that are talking about bad contracts now we're calling Danny Ainge a genius, giving him an A plus for his last exactly. season. So exactly. come on, we know those guys. Well,
0: but, I, you know, I, I wouldn't mind seeing them, you know, look at uh, guys like Bass and Lee who have these, you know, contracts that you could package together and explore a deal for a, you know, potential impact player that's maybe worn out his welcome somewhere else. A name that comes, you know, really quickly to mind for me is uh, Eric Gordon, uh, the um, two guard for the New Orleans Hornets. Um, you know, he's just really struggled in New Orleans, never kind of gotten off there, has a, um, you know, a deal, I think, that, that pays. Him thirteen or so million uh, over the next four years. I think you could package Bass and Lee together and make the make the money work. And the question is whether you know how eager um, New Orleans would be to move him, either by you know throwing a first round draft pick into the deal, or frankly, from New Orleans' perspective, having two deals that add up to around you know 12, thirteen million is actually a better position to be in. Than having uh, you know that much money wrapped up in a single guy because you know you can move those pieces around a little, little bit easier. I think you know the other thing they need to do. I think you know Jeff Green needs to start it at the four, if not the four, at the three. Um, uh, particularly if if they can sign uh, you know if if you get KG and Pierce to come back and and play roles coming off the bench, maybe KG is that first big off the bench, uh, followed happened. by Jared Sullinger. You know, um, and you sign a rim protecting big man and start Green at the four. I think you know um, the, the the pieces might work, but yeah, there's just, just a lot of ifs there.
3: Yeah, it's so hard when you're looking at a, a non decided situation with Garnett and Pierce, and also a lot of ifs when we're talking about you know coming off the bench. I mean, I, I just can't see KG or Pierce ever coming off the bench. Now, as the playoff series went forward. Listening to Pierce talk more and more, there may be a bit of flexibility there for him to be able to come back and retire a Celtic. He would be tremendous coming off the bench. I mean, could you imagine Paul Pierce coming off the bench?
0: I mean, Wait, that's what? just... 20 minutes a game, you know, that, that outside threat, the, you know, the ability to, you know, rebound a, a, at his position, the ability to facilitate the offense for for a second unit, um, you know, I, I, I think it would be phenomenal. Um, I kind of agree with you a little bit about KG in the sense that, you know, he's just such, he has such high standards uh, for himself and, you know, really... You know, being anything other than you know one of the the best players on the court just doesn't seem like you know it's 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 really in him. But on the other hand, if you if you could get him to you know you know just give you 20 hard minutes a game, I mean, you know, listen, people talk about you know trading KG and trading Pierce and and you know to build for the future, and you you really got to look at not only what these guys give you on the floor, which is actually. While it's not as much as they used to, and it's not enough to it's to efficient. carry you anymore, it's, it's efficient, and and it's 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 still a lot. I mean, you you look at a guy who was the number one pick in the draft last year, Anthony Davis, and if he ever plays in a playoff series the way KG did against the Knicks in terms of the rebounding and the defense. <sighs> He should consider himself lucky and and, and has been a success for his career. And then it goes beyond the value on the court. And just what we talked about earlier, the fact that those guys being there and creating the experiences for guys like Bradley and guys like Green and guys like Rondo, you know, you really have to think long and hard about, is it worth what you're going to get in return?
3: It's so funny you say that about uh, Garnett's numbers uh, throughout probably the first, well, probably game three. Once he started going on those rebounding binges, what was it? Two, three to the rest of the series, really two through six. I think you'd look at Garnett and I, I, you know, you have company over to watch the game. If I'm sitting with my cousin, uh, you're looking at Garnett and you're thinking, man, he just looks so tired. He needs, he looks so old. He needs to retire. Like, I just feel bad for KG. And then at the end of the game, I look at the box score and I see 18 rebounds and 16 points. And I barely noticed it. I mean, you talk about a legend and efficiency, and the one thing about Garnett, and I know we want to wrap this segment and get to the call, so I won't belabor this. But my, my thought with Garnett coming off the bench, which is Doc has mastered, finally mastered Garnett's minute distribution to a point where he's fresh coming in in the fourth quarter with the five-five-five rule. Why play with it at this point? You know, I mean, I could see Garnett. I think my my thought moving forward is bring in a, and who knows? We just got done saying how, you know useless, pretty much. The free agent market is this, this offseason, but, you know, bring in a big, uh, a, a true center, whether it is a risk on a guy like Dwight Howard, or a Kamen, or I don't even know. A big that's going to, or bring a perk back. I, I don't know that I'd want to do that either. I'm just tossing names out here, but bring put KG back to the four. Let, if he needs to defend the five, let him defend the five. You know, have Jeff Green start at the three, bring Pierce off the bench, and go with Rondo and... and uh and, and Bradley, and imagine that bench with uh, with Courtney Lee, if he comes back, with Jason Terry, with Paul Pierce, with Jared Sollinger. I mean, you are looking at a very, very formidable bench, and really flip-flop Pierce and uh, Green, and you're looking at what we should have had now facing the Pacers in the second round of the playoffs if we hadn't had all the injuries.
0: Yeah, I can't argue with you there and, you know, it's, you know, um health is a big thing and I think, you know, um even if they were completely healthy, what they, you, you hit the nail on the head, what they were probably missing was one more big man. Yeah, and, no do you know. They, they they don't just, you know, grow on trees, but um, you know, if Danny Ainge is aggressive, look at a guy you, know, you mentioned Perk if he's amnestied by um Oklahoma City, um or you know, take a flyer on Odin, you know, there's a lot of talk around about yeah. him around mid, mid-season and I think that's potentially still in play. So, mm-hmm. well, let's go to break and when we come back on Celtics beat, we'll take a few callers. Sounds good to me. Yeah, we'll be right back after
3: this. Uh, you know, Rich, we'll be right back after I find the commercial. <laughs> <laughs> Celtics beat Rich Conti, Nick Gelso. We'll be right back after this commercial break. And it's a quick one.
2: Hey, it's Coach Kevin from Superfans.com. Superfans Superfans has Boston's Best T-shirts, uppercase Bs for the adults and lowercase Bs for the kids. You see our street hustlers at your favorite event or you shop with us at Superfans.com. At Superfans, we're just like you. We take pride in our town and support the best our teams have to offer. Listen to your New England soul. Visit Superfans.com and say hello next time you see us around town. We make Boston's Best T-shirts for New England's Best Fans. Superfans! Superfans is a proud sponsor of Dirty Water TV.
3: Celtics fans, welcome
0: back to Celtics Beat with Rich Conti and Nick Gell. So, Rich,
3: you're the lead, man. Go for it. You want to
0: get to the call lines? All right, yeah. Let's take some calls out there and talk about whether you want to talk about the series that just ended, whether you want to talk about the season as a whole, or what the future holds for the Celtics. Let's let's hear from the folks out there on the line.
3: Sounds good. We're going to start with the Mad Dog, Mike Mitchell. Mad Dog, what's up, brother? Hey, what's going on, guys? I think the – go
0: ahead, Rich. I was going to say, hey, Mad Dog, what's going on? No, nothing too much. Hey,
2: interesting. I'm going to throw an interesting twist on this, and obviously, uh, the 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 end of the year, I'm already to ready to move to to uh, to move on. But um, I'm actually talking about somebody on Facebook about this right, right now. As a matter of fact, what do you think? And I know where been a you're lot going. Rubblings of, of him being dealt. What do you think it would take? To get Kevin Love, what
0: do you think would be the uh, price tag for Minnesota? I I love Kevin Love as a player, no pun intended. Um, you know, just uh, you know, when he was coming out of the draft, I actually was, on, was pretty high on him when, when a lot of people kind of wrote him off as being you know not athletic enough. Um, you know, I just saw a guy that you know had the potential to you know. To uh, open things up from the perimeter, as well as just a beast on the board and and, and boards, and you got to love the outlet passing, um, and and the rebounding, and um, you know, I don't know. Like the the question is, um, does you know Minnesota think they're going to lose him? I mean, he's got the buyout. I think it's after next season. Um, He's got the ability to buy himself out of his uh, contract with the, um, or sorry, terminate his his contract with the T-Wolves early, and so they might start to feel some pressure. You know, David Kahn, uh, I don't know if it's official yet, but I have been reading that uh, he was on his way out as general manager of the Timberwolves. Uh, They might be, you know, looking at um, starting things fresh uh, thing is, um, I have a hard time seeing any of the assets the Celtics could offer outside of Rondo as being much interest in Minnesota. And the other challenge I see is I think if, if they were to find a way to bring Kevin Love to, um, Boston, I think that would pretty much mean the end of Jared Sullinger in Boston. Uh, two similar as players and, and I'd have a hard time seeing them coexist in a front line. You'd be, um, you know, certainly, uh, beasts on the board, but you'd be a little challenged in, in protecting Rich, the rim. Rich.
2: I am sorry I, to interrupt. But, I'm, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you guys. But um, would you? Are you really saying that 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 you would that you would um that you would be upset that 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 Jared Soldier Sol, would not be here if Kevin Love was assuming that he was part part of a deal? You were talking about a player that 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 is one of, if not the best power forward in the league right now. Well, you, you know what, Mad Dog, let me stop you for a minute,
3: not not for me to defend Rich or anything, but Kevin Love is, is pretty useless if he's in a suit and tie on the side of the bench. So, I mean, I don't know whether you're willing to go back into injury-prone situations. And believe me when I tell you, that Kevin Love reminds me of a, a combination of Larry Bird and Kevin McHale, who are two of my favorite players of all time. I love Kevin Love. But the fact of the matter is his body is just not – held up for him rich
0: yeah and and you know just to clarify um actually i it's not that i would um not make a deal because of, of jared sullinger it's um i'd have to think about it i mean he he's certainly one of the you know potential assets that the C's have going forward and cer- cer- yeah and certainly if you know including him in the deal itself um makes it happen then sure i was just really pointing out the fact that um you the two of them on the same team or in the, in the same lineup didn't make a lot of sense is all. Well, the other side of
3: that, too, is and when you looked at season long, going back from day one, I, I personally said dish anybody on the team besides Jared Sollinger, Paul Pierce, and Kevin Garnett. A Rondo could have gone. I think Jared Sollinger, if this back surgery cured his back issues, is going to be a star for the Boston Celtics. And I'm not willing to part with that just yet. I like his it's- versatility. I like his... His ability to play inside and out. I love his instincts on the boards and around the rim. Um, he's obviously got to work a little bit, I think, on his weight and on his athletic abilities. But I really enjoy, and I think Jared Solinger is going to be uh, one young, talented asset that Danny Ainge does not want to part with.
0: And where he really surprised me was his play on the defensive end. And yeah. You know, he's he's not a, a rim protector by any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, he brings a lot of the same things that KG does in terms of just smart positioning. Now, now listen, you know, KG in his prime as a defensive player was not only a premier rim protector, he was kind of a premier quarterback on, on the back line mm-hmm. with his positioning, his ability to call out uh, to teammates, you know, switches and what, and what was happening and what the rotation should be. Um, I think Sullinger actually could bring some of that ladder stuff, obviously not to the same, you know, extent that kg did and not able to bring the same kind of rim protector but if you look at the uh you know some of the advanced defensive metrics the celtics were a much better defensive floor um with Jar- uh, sorry defensive team with jared Solinger on the floor than they were with him off it uh mm. during the year and you know i think that that's not an accident um but yeah man it's you know it would be nice seeing kevin Levin and green and seeing him put up those 22 rebound uh, monster oh. nights uh, with 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 five or six from uh, from three pointers, uh, that would sure be nice. Mm, Mad Dog, give us your closing thoughts, brother. We're up against the clock.
2: Okay, it, yeah, it would be great, and and it's it's a move that I could really see um, Danny, Danny making. It really is. It really is because I don't think that he wants his team to be like it was before Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen got here. I don't think that he ever wants to go back to that, but. I uh, yeah, I could just see the Self is getting very interested in him. I really could. I really could. I do now now don't know who now Pitt, be.
3: It's just a what's the cost, man. I, I don't know who yeah, wouldn't be but, interested in Kevin Love.
2: Yeah, but that's what the cost is. And you mentioned Eric Gordon. They they obviously have a, ha, 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 have a shooting guard. They dropped it in the lottery to Austin Rivers down there this this last year. So Eric Gordon could be an option at the two. J.J. Redick, who I would love to see, see here, is definitely an option at the two. Who's a free agent? You look at guys like Al Jefferson. I'm not sure if you guys are Andre Iguodala fans, but I love but, Iguodala. But he's out there, and and there, and and here's what I'll leave you guys on. And and this is a guy who, I, who I'm sort of interested in for the right price. If you go up to to this guy and offer him four to five million for 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 one year. The, the this guy being being Andrew Bynum? Would you would you take him for that price and, and just to just to see if you could get anything out of him for a year? He's obviously one of the more talented centers in the in the league. I think that it would be it, it would be a worthwhile risk to 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 take because because the uh, because the um, re, re, reward way out way outweighs the risk and. He he is a guy who I'm very intrigued. That w- w- what's going to ha- happen to? Would you guys be be, be interested at all with Andrew Biden for, for 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 a contract? Right? Oh, I'll tell you what, Mad Doc, prove that he's healthy. But anyway, guys, Bleed Green, let's go Celtics! And again, guys, great job this year.
3: Ah, uh, Mad Doc, thanks so much for all the kind words this weekend. You made my weekend. <laughs> have a great night, and we're gonna answer that that Biden question for you quickly now and then. We got to go to the queue. Uh, Rich. I believe, and I'm not stealing Mad Dog Thunder. He might have gotten this from me because I said it on a post game show about two months ago, and got my ass kicked uh, by the callers. Because I, I, if 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 Andrew Bynum were to be able to, or we were to be able to get Andrew Bynum for a minimal contract, where it would be a low risk high reward, where it would be a situation where he could just be cut or let go, similar to a, I don't think his stock has he's definitely not fallen as far as Odin's has. But the point here is, why would And I put it in this perspective. Why would Andrew Bynum, after all the money he's made and all the failures he's had in his reputation and his legacy, why would he not want to come to Boston at a decreased level, play with somebody like Garnett, and learn how to be a man?
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, I I think you only do that if – you know doc and danny and even a guy like kg uh talks to him and and has a good sense that that he you know he understands his mistakes and he's committed you know the the health thing at this point you know really makes him you know that you know take a flyer on him and, and hope it pans out uh because I'm not sure if he's ever going to be be the you know physically the 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 player that he was um but beyond that I would just have so many concerns uh about his attitude and about the type of guy he's just always proven to be and you know it's kind of a similar thing with J.R. Smith you know how much can those guys really change, and you know um you know even you know um, you know there aren 't too many guys who I can think of that you know had that type of reputation and then kind of kind of turned it around to be honest i 'd rather take a flyer on Odin um you know at least you know he may never you know make it because of the, the the physical issues but there's never been any question about his work ethic and and his attitude and his um you know willingness to be part of a team so physically it's it's a toss up with either guy and i think i'd lean toward the guy you know who's who's shown the better attitude uh
3: good stuff fair enough let's move on to our last caller we're we're definitely up against the clock uh we got the q coach q out in seattle q you're live. You got a minute. What's on your mind?
4: I got a minute. Uh, well, maybe a I better minute get now. it out in the minute, huh?
2: <laughs> well, I
4: don't agree. I certainly don't agree uh, with bringing in uh, Will Bynum.
2: <laughs> I know. No, per- Who I said am I
4: talking I'm about?
0: Perfect.
4: <laughs> Will might be okay. I'm confusing my Bynums here.
0: Uh, <laughs> they could have used Will Bynum in this series. That's true.
4: They could have used a lot of. They probably could have used Eric Gordon, for that matter.
3: <laughs> Q, what are you cooking for dinner?
4: <laughs> oh, I got a chicken and uh, yeah, a lot of chicken on there.
3: So did the Pacers. They faced a bunch of chickens today wearing black. What are your thoughts today? Oh, on, I, predict, uh, I
4: predict. I predict that series is going to end very quickly. You watch. Yeah, you know, I think. let uh, about it. Pacers are going to school them good here. Four or five games, maybe maybe six if. Uh, Melo just uh stumped fours 50 on him but uh, you know the rest of the the rest of the team is you know the Pacers are fundamentally sound and they can punish them down low you know uh so yeah. my my dream NBA finals matchup is actually Memphis and Indiana because uh that would just chap Stearns' high to no end not to mention
0: it not to mention a few ABC executives as well. Um, yeah, that would actually be an interesting series to smash that a hey, team. The, the, the,
4: the true basketball connoisseur would get into that series, you know, and there's Absolutely. a lot of, there's a lot of old friends playing against each other. You know, Larry Bird is the executive of, uh, the, uh, the Pacers and Chris Wallace, uh, a GM that, uh, uh, a bit underrated. We, we know him best for trading for Vin Baker, but, uh, he didn't make the call on that one. That was the owner, uh-huh. who we shall not name and never name. <laughs> and never can, name.
0: Can we can we can we pin Kedrick Brown on him though?
4: <laughs> Say what?
0: Can we pin Kedrick Brown on Chris Wallace though? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you made the cue laugh. I mean, I, I mean, you know, Wallace loves to point fingers, right? Congratulations, they laugh. <laughs> Joe Forte wasn't his call That was Reds Vin Baker wasn't his call That was the owner But he's really got no scapegoat For the Kedrick Brown draft pick So <laughs> Q Give us your uh, closing thoughts And no, thought
4: no to Andrew Bynum Because he makes He'll make Mark Blunt Seem like a saint And we'll all be very disgusted With him quickly
2: <laughs> Very disgusting no, Poor, Poor attitude Yellow <laughs> <a little> player
4: <laughs> we, don't, we don't need that <laughs> Excuse me all right,
3: Q, we got a wrap, man.
4: Okay. Well, that was quick, week. right?
3: Yeah, no, listen, uh, Monday night, tomorrow night, you got King of the Court. Tyree wants to talk to you. Tuesday, you got Careless Whispers, and you got the Boston Sports Connection. Wednesday, you got the evening
4: score, man. We're loaded.
3: So uh, we expect to hear from you a lot this offseason, man. Don't forget us.
4: <laughs> okay, hopefully I, I won't get loaded too much. <laughs> See you later.
3: <laughs> we like it better when you are. Good night, Q. Good night.
0: All
4: right. Rich, that's a wrap, man.
0: Yeah, it's been great uh, working with you and uh, filling in for Daniel. I really enjoyed uh, participating in the uh, Celtics beat this year. And uh, we'll have plenty to talk about this offseason, that's that's for sure. I think so. It's definitely not going to be boring. There's a lot of unanswered
3: questions, much similar to last season. And, uh, hell, man, I'm ready for the ride. I'm ready for the the short break that is the offseason now. It ends really quick because free agency starts real fast.
2: Uh, But...
3: uh, I'm also starting to get the itch for post-game show, <laughs> and we just stopped it two days ago. So We'll be back next season. In the meantime, check out the Bruins post-game show on CLNS Radio. We're covering the entire playoff run for the Boston Bruins. Uh, Rich Conti, i got to tell you, it was an honor and a privilege to sit in uh, for Ty Ray today uh alongside of you and uh I appreciate it man your work your additions what you've done at CLNS radio being becoming part of the family has been incredible man uh and uh we're 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 expecting a long and successful ride together man
0: I really appreciate it and I've I've enjoyed it greatly too and uh just looking forward to making uh, more contributions Sounds good
3: man that's it that's a wrap Celtics beat Sunday night CLNS radio
2: Have a good night all
0: see ya Thank you.